I'm Paula Jenkins, a transformative life coach and podcaster. Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, a podcast that talks about the stories of people following their hearts, finding work that lights them up, and looking at how joy plays a part in their journey. To learn more about this podcast or to find out more about me, just head on over to the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 42 of Jumpstart Your Joy. On today's show, I have an interview with burlesque dancer Velvet Eau Claire. And <laughs> this is such a special, such a special episode, you guys, because we shared so much about the vulnerability it takes to put yourself out there, both in the way of dancing and in life and just being brave and courageous. And I really think you're going to love everything that she has to say. We also talk about my favorite kinky boots and what Prince meant to her and so many people. If you are new to the show, welcome. I am so glad that you are here. You can get all of the information about this show and this podcast over at jumpstartyourjoy.com. And you can find the show notes for this show at jumpstartyourjoy.com slash velvet. <laughs> velvet gets her very own <laughs> unique URL. So jumpstartyourjoy.com slash velvet. And if you want to subscribe, you can subscribe to Jumpstart Your Joy over on Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play Music. So one of the cool things that's been going on is that I run a Jumpstart Your Podcast boot camp, which is a six-week class that takes you from the idea of your show to having your first episode ready to go. And I am so excited to announce that Liz Applegate just launched her show, and she is one of one of the students in the class, and I just, it's so exciting. Her show is Midlife Schmidlife, and you can find her also on iTunes and Stitcher and at midlifeschmidlife.com, and that's S-C-H-M-I-D-L-I-F-E for Schmidlife. <laughs> oh, and it's just a joy. It's talking about turning your some days into today. And so just go listen. You'll love her. And I'm so excited to announce that she's the first one of that class to have a live show. Ah, I'm so excited. If you want to start a podcast and you're interested in learning more, you can go to jumpstartyourpodcast.com. The next class starts July 14th and will run Thursdays at 5.30 p.m. Pacific. So if that seems like a good fit and you're, you're looking into starting a show, I would love to have you in the class. Also, this is the summer of magic at my house. Back probably two and a half years ago when I started making what I call my 10 in 3. And if you go back, I will put a, a link to that in the show notes. But the 10 in 3 is the 10 things that I wanted to accomplish in three years. And I've been hitting all of them. <laughs> but back when I started that list, I listed out the summer of 2016 as the summer of magic. Because it would be the summer that my son had graduated or was graduating from preschool and going into kindergarten. So I wanted to just have an extra special time with him. So I took him out of his preschool on Mondays and Fridays through the summer. And we have been having one heck of a time. On Friday this week, we went to a marine center and got to touch a shark. And of course, he was over the moon about that. And the, and the weekend before or the Friday before, we went to Sacramento to see the Andy Warhol exhibit, and he can't stop talking about all of the art that he saw there. So it's just been so special. One way we're accomplishing this, since I'm, you know, just starting a business, is where, you, and this is totally not an ad, but just a tip: our library system has free passes to some exhibits and museums. So I've just been 
using that as a great resource to get tickets to go places with him and save a little cash and have our summer of magic. So go check out your library. Maybe there's something there for you as well. If you want to follow along on our, what we call Venture Days, which is Adventure Days, for the summer of magic, you can, I'm posting our pictures on Instagram. It's jumpstartyourjoy is my handle on Instagram. And I'm using the hashtag summer of magic. So if you want to follow along or post your own summer of magic pictures, I would love to see them and see what you are doing with this fabulous summer. So I can't wait for you to hear this episode with Velvet Eau Claire. She originally had heard my episode with Laura Sims and we, Laura and I had this discussion about passion versus purpose. And that really sparked something in Velvet. And she did her own podcast episode on burlesque stripped down. Also, that will be in the show notes about this question. And so I reached back out to her and said, hey, do you want to be on the show? I would love to talk about burlesque and joy and vulnerability. And so we got on the phone and just had the most amazing time. It was just one of those where we hit it off and uh, I can't wait. So without further ado, the interview with Velvet Eau Claire. Welcome to the podcast. Today we have an interview with Velvet Eau Claire. She is a burlesque dancer and a podcaster at Burlesque down. Also a gypsy entrepreneur. Oh, thank you for being on the podcast and welcome, Velvet. Oh, thank you, Paula. It's so great to be here. I'm really excited. Yay! <laughs> so would you tell us what you loved most as a child or in school? What were your early sparks of joy? Well, you know, it, I was thinking about this and, and I think especially in hindsight, of course, because we're able to look back. But I think most of my early sparks of joy revolved around storytelling and not just storytelling, but story listening or story taking in. My family was very big into theater. My mom had kind of stopped by the time that I came around, but my dad was you know, very into theater. And so I was kind of like the token kid that was always backstage at the performances mm-hmm. and stuff. So there was that on a really like kind of obvious level as far as storytelling like the more I think about it, really, I mean, it kind of trickled down into just everything that I did as a child. I mean, I used to have like these elaborate like scenarios with my Barbies and my little people mm. where they lived in this like mashup world of craziness. You know, I, I think a lot of kids <laughs> do that. But for me, it was just so much storytelling and imagining things. I loved movies. I loved, you know, books. Oh, books were a huge thing, of course. You know, my mom used to have to yell at me to turn off the light at night, you know, because I was sitting there reading by flashlight under the blanket. <laughs> So it was just all about that. It was about hearing, you know, getting to know people, even at that young age, I think. Yeah, I love it. And there's so many great things that happen when children get into stories. Like, I think it does it open up the doors of kind of like what's possible and and who can I be and all that exploration. Absolutely. Absolutely. I used to, my mom's um, a teacher. And so we had summers off. And so she and I spent a lot of time together traveling and we went on road trips and things. And I just remember hours and hours because of course we didn't have like, you know, back in my day, we didn't have cell phones and like Uh candy crush and things to occupy our mind. So what did I do? Well, I read sometimes, but I actually had a little bit of motion sickness. so I couldn't even read. So I would Mm -hmm. literally like stare out the window and imagine things. And and I I wish I could remember some of them because I'm sure they were golden, but just imagining, you know, and I think that was something that just really shaped who I am and my my passion for traveling, my passion for telling stories now as an adult. And so I'm kind of grateful. I mean, I love technology as much as the next person, but I'm kind of grateful that I grew up in that time when it wasn't quite as like distracting all the time, you know? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? I mean, kind of to go on a tangent there, yeah. but like, it seems like everyone is so, I don't know, tuned in all the time. 
I'm just having this moment of like, it's really no surprise maybe that then also meditation is becoming a popular thing because <laughs> what do we need? We need that time to be still and imagine and, and leave room. And like, I, I don't know if you want to reflect on that, but like, yeah. it's just, it's, seems like it's probably no coincidence. That's a really interesting connection. I hadn't thought about that, like specifically with meditation, but I think you're right. Cause like it used to just happen more naturally. You know, you would have these mm. moments of just sitting and reflection. And now, I mean, <laughs> I have candy crush 24 seven on my phone. And, it's just, <laughs> and, and especially for people like us having a business that is online. And, and so there's always more that we could be doing, you know, that mm. we can be connected with. And so I think you're right. And that's what I found for me meditating. I'm, I'm not as consistent as I might like to be, but it does yeah. afford me that kind of that space where I can just really be with myself. Maybe like I used to be as a kid. That's really interesting. Yeah, I hadn't really thought of it before, but just as you were saying it, do you have a favorite app or something or do you just, are you, I don't know, a, a native meditator? I know some people love a couple of apps. Yeah, I'm, I'm huge into Headspace. That's really okay. that's really one of my favorite. That was one of the first ones I downloaded and it just really helped me to kind of learn how to like calm my mind. And that's my favorite. Yes, <laughs> that's good stuff right there. Oh. So yeah, why don't we jump in and you can tell us about what you do now and who you are as Velvet Eau Claire. Yeah, well, oh goodness, it's been quite a journey. I mean, I'm still, you know, still on the journey. I like to call myself kind of a gypsy entrepreneur because I have a, I have so many varied interests and I have so many things that I've been doing throughout my life. And it's just, it's been amazing, but I haven't really followed kind of maybe the more traditional career path. So I've been a lot of things. I've been a teacher. I've been a traveler. I've been a restaurant server and bartender for more years than I can count. You know, I was an educator at SeaWorld here in Orlando, a lot of different things. Right now I've kind of settled into this space of figuring out how to kind of blend all of my things together. And I have found burlesque and that has happened fairly recently, but I fell in love with burlesque as a performance art and as a way of kind of expressing myself in a really, really unique fashion. And so I've been working to kind of combine that with my love for like online entrepreneurship and podcasting and things like that to kind of create this new space that I can really thrive. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm sensing a lot of the undertones of like multi-potentiality in there. Like, you are one of those folks that you can't choose just one thing. And I love that you're like intermingling so many of the interests and in finding a new creation out of all of that. Multipotentialism or multipotentialitism. <laughs> I'm not really sure how that works, but <laughs> I was really struck by that because it really, yeah, it really struck a chord with me as far as so many things. Of course, there's that old saying to, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. So that's always been something that you know, on, on the more negative side has kind of weighed on me that I've never really felt like I was a master of something. You know, I'm interested yeah. in so many different things, but it was hard to master something. Mm -hmm. And uh, kind of on that track, I don't know, have you ever heard of the Enneagram typing system? I have heard of it. Yeah, but I've never done it. I have to say that, you know, there's a lot of different like personality typing things out there, but this is one that like has blown my mind. I first heard about it on The Lively Show, mm -hmm. And she had, and I forget her name, but she was like kind of an Enneagram expert or whatever. And so just for fun, I kind of logged on and checked it out. And it has absolutely blown my mind. For the first time, I felt like a typing system really, really got me. Mm, yeah. And for anybody who's familiar with it, like I'm a seven, which is okay. kind of the enthusiast, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. And as I'm reading this, I'm almost in tears. Like it sounds ridiculous, but I was just so taken by how perfectly it was describing me in this sense of, being so afraid of missing out on things and wanting to try everything, you know, and just mm -hmm. wanting to reach out and just grab life 
you know, by the whatever and just experience it all, you know? Yeah. And I think that's so helpful because I found, I mean, I love Myers-Briggs and I'm an Mm -hmm. ENFJ if anyone's out there and curious, but I found that exactly what you're saying about the negative side or whatever that the other shadow side, whatever we want to call it, but the other traits that come out, like I totally resonate with, with who that person is, but then it was interesting to see how to manage the other traits that maybe are harder to deal with for myself. <laughs> like it gave me space to be like, oh, that's just who I am. That's okay. That's, that's just all right now. Absolutely. No, I had the same exact thing. And there's when you get your, your profile, there's like these levels of kind of health, you know, when you're at your best compared to when you're at your worst. And just reading mm-hmm. through that, you can see how maybe you've kind of fluctuated throughout your life. And certain times in your life, you were more here and certain times you were more there. But like you said, just knowing this, it just makes it easier to accept it and then stop saying, oh, gosh, I'm like this. I should be different. I should be different. I should be different. Mm-hmm. And just be, okay, here's where I am. I'd like to be I'd like to move more to the, towards this healthy side of the spectrum, but for now it's okay. This is, this is part of me too. And just loving yourself regardless. Yes. Yeah. And it does open up more space for being compassionate with yourself about all aspects of who you are when you just know, Hey, other people have, I don't know why that is like, because other people expect are okay with it or like other people experience it. I don't know. Right. Just to know you're not alone. It's that commiseration kind of a thing, you know, (laughs) Like, I mean, you know, misery loves company. Is that what I mean? Yeah. It's not so negative, but I mean, I had a similar experience. So to, you know, just give my age and everything. I just celebrated my 30th birthday. Happy birthday. (laughs) Well, I guess it was two months ago now, but I can still say just, right? It still comes. (laughs) But basically over the last, you know, year or so, I've been really, you know, very up and down. My road up to joy has been a bit of a tumultuous one, especially over the last month or so. So actually earlier this year, probably in January, so I was in a bit of a a rough place, not doing so well. And so I was watching Parks and Rec. There's a character, Donna, who was talking, this is one of the later episodes, I think. She's talking to April and she mentioned Saturn's return. And I was like, what is this? So immediately I go, thank God for Google, right? So I go on Google mm-hmm. and I'm searching. And I don't know if you're familiar, if you if you are into astrology at all. A little bit. I mean, I know some, yeah. Right. That's kind of where I'm at. I know some and I'm like, oh, okay, it's interesting. I don't really totally buy in. I mean, I don't not buy into it, but I'm like, I don't know. You know, it could be, could be not. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But Saturn's return is basically that the the planet Saturn makes its loop every like 20 some 29 and a half years or something like that. It returns to the sign that it was in when you were born. Right. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people, this is a very tumultuous time. This is a time when, you know, jobs change, when relationships change, when all of these things happen. So Mm -hmm. anyway, so I'm reading about this and regardless of whether or not it's true or why it's true or any of that, just reading about this immediately lightened my heart a little bit. Not it didn't solve the whole problem, but just knowing that it wasn't just me that I wasn't mm-hmm. just being crazy, just having that. And, you know, and then I mentioned it to a few of my friends who are, who have gone through and they're a bit older and they're like, Oh yeah, Saturn's return. I totally went through that. I'm like, come on, you couldn't have told me this before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyone who's 27, guess what? Right. Like, <laughs> it's going to be totally, everything. totally normal. Yeah. <laughs> Is it that the human spirit, sometimes we are pessimists and when we hit a rough spot, it's kind of, easier to maybe glom on to that thing that like this is going to end poorly it's going down in flames but like that then the nudge of the universe saying well no it it ebbs and flows like this this moment isn't everything there's you know there's 
the next moment and the moment after that, like, and it keeps getting better. You're not always going to be stuck in this one emotion, I guess, is where I'm going with that. As it being hard. I love memories. I love photos. I love thinking about things that happened to me, you know, and think about, mm. and, and that is part of gratitude, I think, to be grateful for what I've had. And then also about the future. I love making plans and I love, you know, <laughs> dreaming about the future and everything. But yeah. meditation and some of the Buddhist studies that I've been doing have really helped center me kind of in this moment and be more focused on what's happening right now. But also noticing that it all passes. This moment yeah. will be, you know, I, I don't want to get too foo-foo or guru. No, <laughs> <laughs> <Dude>, that's great. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm a life coach. I love this stuff. <laughs> you like that kind of, and I assume most of the listeners do as well, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm thinking they do. Yeah. <laughs> that is super, mm, I like that tie back to meditation too, that, yeah, it does. It brings you to this moment and kind of having gratitude for what is, which also ties in so beautifully with like Byron Katie, like kind of accepting and being, you know, loving what is and instead of rebelling against what could, you know, against the present and your real reality and wishing it could be different. Like, yeah. Mm. I think it might've been that book that kind of was the catalyst for me on this journey. And I don't remember where I first heard about Byron Katie, but that loving what is, and I, and I bought the book from Amazon and that I haven't really read it like straight through, but I just pick it up mm-hmm. in certain parts as they appeal to me. If, if I think back, that was one of the, probably the catalyst for me as far as going on this, you know, present moment journey. Wow. Yeah. And that's totally unplanned folks. <laughs> we didn't know this one going into this discussion. Oh. There's an audio version of that book that you can get. This is also not an ad, but on Audible for free if you haven't used up your first credit because they give you a credit for free. That's true. It's an Amazon company. But they there's an audio version of that book where you can actually hear her doing the work that's in the book. Like it's the live version of it, doing her doing it with real people. And that blew me away. So I totally recommend that. I'll link that up in the show notes. Like that was wow. Yeah, that would be really interesting. I would love to hear it because it's one thing to read the transcript that I, I it made me want to go to one of her events and like see it. But if, if I could actually hear it, that would be amazing see about like what led you to burlesque I I mean you talked about that path a little bit but was it tied in with loving the present moment or was there a greater significance or was it really your heart following like what it wanted to do how did you get to that space that's a really good question and and I guess of course again in retrospect I could talk about how about it all tying in but in the moment I don't know that it really did I've always been very interested in you know I guess these grand topics of femininity and sexuality and expression. And of course, as I mentioned, I have a theater background after my parents, I got into it as well. So I've always been very into performance and things like that. And I had just moved to Paris and I was there, you know, kind of for, well, for a lot of things, but a relationship was one thing that kind of brought me over there. And my French was not particularly great. It still probably isn't. But so I was Mm -hmm. struggling a little bit because I didn't have a lot of my own. I had a mm-hmm. lot, you know, through my relationship and, and, and I was, I was working as well. So there was that, but I didn't have something just for me. And it was just very, I guess, serendipitous. I was on meetup, meetup.com. And I was scrolling mm-hmm. through trying to find something to do. And I found Burlesque Moulin has, which is my, now my troop over there, Burlesque Moulin. And they have a meetup group page, but mm-hmm. I was randomly there and randomly just a few days prior to that. I say randomly, it probably wasn't random. It was probably some grand plan, <laughs> whatever. A few days before that, the troop leader and founder had posted that they needed what they called a like gal Friday kind of a thing, somebody to help out with, you know, some things like social media, with things like that in exchange for free classes. Ooh, yeah. And as a poor, you know, new girl to Paris, I was like, this is perfect. It's perfect. So I met with her and we chatted and we just clicked immediately. This was Ava Valentina, who's one of our, you know, our 
our troop founders. Mm-hmm. And we just immediately clicked. And I just said to myself, you know what, this is something I've been looking for. This is a way for me to explore those things that I mentioned, my sexuality, my femininity, my performance, my journey, and help out and hone my skills as far as mm-hmm. things like the social media and blogging and all of that, and get free classes and save some money out of the deal. So <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of where it all started. And then I just started, you know, taking those classes with them. And we had our first performance a few months later, it was probably about three, four months later. And I just loved it. And Mm. so I kept performing a little bit. I will say I don't perform, especially now that I've moved back to Florida. I haven't been performing nearly as much as I would like. And that's definitely something I plan to hopefully increase in the next few months. There's something about the burlesque industry, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, yes, there's a huge element of striptease, but it's really just so much more than that. It's about expressing who you are and your unique vision, whatever that is. We have a lot of very classic striptease, you know, the very like Dita Von Tees kind of elements to it. But then there's just so many just ridiculousness, like so much ridiculousness, so many fun things, so many really deep like societal satires and and critiques and things like that, because that's what it stems from. I mean, not to give you a whole big history lesson, but back in the day, it was very much the theater and the comedy for the lower class to really just poke fun at the standards of society and at these higher class people and the people in power. It was their cha- their way. It wasn't just about female stripping or anything like that. It was really mm-hmm. more of the ca- cabaret satirical thing. And so there's definitely huge elements of that that have kind of come through. So anyway, I'm just really blessed to have, I'm really excited and, and happy and blessed to have found something like burlesque where there's just so many amazing women. I've never met so many amazing women and just strong women and mm. just doing what they love no matter what. It's just been phenomenal. Yeah. I love the undertones of community. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. it's a huge community and that I, I'm imagining there's the bigger pieces of like trust and I don't know, sure. and getting to know other women kind of, I would imagine in more of an intimate way. And I don't mean that sexually. I just mean like you really probably share a lot because you're being vulnerable. I mean, just the act of taking well, off absolutely. clothes is kind of a vulnerable act. So I don't know if you want to talk about that a little bit or, and, or how it might be different than stripping or, you know, like a strip club as maybe we know it in American culture. Absolutely. Well, yeah, those are two really good things. So I'll start with the, about the community. And, and I think yeah, that's, that's something great. that we have in spades, which is great. I mean, it's getting to know the women and I haven't been able to go to any of the big events. Actually, just um, just recently, they had uh, the Burlesque Hall of Fame weekender in, in Las Vegas, which is one of the huge oh, events wow. here in America, in North America. And just seeing now, I've been following everybody on Instagram and, and, and you do end up with a really intimate connection, particularly with the people that you perform with or that are in your troupe. I will say mm-hmm. it's not entirely troupe-based all of the time. So not all performers are in the troops. So it can be actually a rather lonely thing, depending on depending on how you approach your your career, your business or your your performance journey, because burlesque is something where it's typically one person on stage doing their Mm -hmm. act. And you don't necessarily book like an eight week engagement. You typically would book one show at a time with a totally different lineup of guests each time. Mm -hmm. So it can be a very lonely existence. And that was something that I was really kind of spearheading at Burlesque Moulin in Paris, because it can just be a lot of just you sitting in your living room, or if maybe you're lucky enough to be able to have a dance studio to go to, and just, you know, figuring out what works for you, you know, and mm-hmm. if you haven't made those connections, it can be a bit lonely. But once you make those connections, 
you're absolutely right. That intimacy just skyrockets. These women in my mm. troop, I feel like I've known them for years and years and years and years and years, my whole life. Yeah. Well, and that there was that immediate connection first with is it Ava that yes. you were like, yes, mm-hmm. we are kindred spirits. Exactly. And that you follow that that intuitive line of like, okay, this is somebody that I connect with. And then it leads to like a bigger opening to other people that are like-minded and interested in something you love and like all of that. Mm-hmm. It's mm. been great. And then of course, you know, I, for those people listening who don't know, I also have a podcast as well Oh yeah, called Burlesque <laughs> Strip Down that is basically about interviewing. And this is something I decided to do when I realized that I was probably moving back to Florida because I wanted to keep those connections. So just, you know, just through a podcast, just through interviews over Skype, it's just been so amazing to connect with these women. I feel like there are people I've known forever, even just after like an hour interview. I mean, it's so bizarre, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so I know that if and when I ever finally meet them in person, we have this connection, you know, because yeah. we have these things in common and we have this, you know, different groups within the burlesque community that are kind of, you know, focused on different things. And that's wonderful. But I just find very often we have very similar hearts. And so when you find those people to connect with, it's really an amazing thing. Yeah, that's amazing. Cause I, I have to say like when I got into coaching, like the first time when I, when I entered training, there were what 33 ish people in my class and it was one of the, it was a similar, I think, feeling to what you're describing. It's like I walked into the room and I just felt at home. And it, it wasn't even a tangible thing at first. Like, I didn't even really know a lot of the women. I don't think I knew any of them, but it was so beautiful. And I think the really interesting thing here that I love about it is that it's both crafts. I will call coaching and, and burlesque a craft. Like, it, you have to be so vulnerable. Like, to be, a, I'm imagining, to make the connection with your audience, you guys, all need to be vulnerable and put yourself out there and really, I don't know, throw yourself into your art. And it's this, I would imagine, I mean, for me as a coach, it's the same thing. Like I have to touch and what tap into something. There we go in myself. That's really personal and really vulnerable and really open for me to help. I mean, I think to help a client, like it's a vulnerable art. I don't know if you want to talk about that and like how it has changed you or what you felt like you were tapping into when you realized burlesque was a, a great fit. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. I think vulnerability, and that's been kind of the theme. If I were to pick a, you know, a word for mm-hmm. my last year or so, it's definitely been about vulnerability. And, and I do not like to be vulnerable. <laughs> that is not mm-hmm. a thing I want to do. And so Brene Brown has just blown my mind over the last Ooh, year. Yes. Woman is the most amazing woman I've ever laid eyes on or heard in my life. She's so amazing. And so just that journey into accepting what vulnerability is for me and how to be okay with feeling vulnerable. That has been a huge thing that burlesque has worked with me on. And and it goes, you know, it goes far beyond being on stage. I mean, that's like the most obvious level, because, of course, you know, when you're taking off your clothes on stage, you're getting a bit of vulnerability out there like that. (laughs) But it goes beyond that. It goes beyond just the fact that I'm naked on stage in front of people. Oh, I'm not naked. Okay. It's not that kind of show, but you know, close to naked, whatever. But it goes far beyond that. It goes to this idea, as I mentioned, burlesque. And, and I'll tie in here your other question, which was the difference between burlesque and like stripping. Oh, yeah. And not that there's anything wrong with either. I'm very pro, you know, doing what you need to do, what feels right to you in your life. But I think burlesque has a lot more of that kind of artistic expression to it. And for me, it's a lot about the power as well, the power dynamic. Where does the power lie? And to me at a strip club, the power lies with the audience. You are pandering to them. You are basically doing what they want you to do. Where burlesque is basically the opposite. I have all the power when I'm on stage. (laughs) I have all of it. And there's nothing like it. 
I will say, you know, for any women who are intrigued by this, if you can find a class near you just to go, you don't have to like get naked on your first go, you know, it's nothing. (laughs) But yeah, the the way it feels when you have just like this very slow glove peel, right? When you take off your glove or just putting down the shoulder of your shirt just a little bit, just, just that tease and that, and, and seeing what it does in the audience as they're just riveted. I mean, it's, it's just, it's like nothing else. It's really yeah. amazing. And so to me, I guess, okay, so to wrap that up, to me, that's one of the biggest differences between stripping and fluff for us. But there's been a lot of people who have gotten into this more eloquently than I <laughs> on other podcasts and other articles and things. But that's kind of what it boils down to. So, yeah. So just that element of putting out your personal vision and really creating this art that is just so resonant with what you're feeling inside and what you want to do. I've seen some amazing acts that, you know, deal with issues of rape or that mm-hmm. deal with issues of, you know, sexual identity or that deal with issues of societal, you know, and feminism and how women are treated and, and gender norms and all. I mean, just seeing those, of course, they can be a lot of fun as well, but just seeing those type acts really drive home that vulnerability that's possible when you go on stage. Hmm. It's tapping into something that's likely a very personal interpretation or a very personally motivated. And I mean that in the positive way of motivation, like you're tapping into something so personal that maybe this is in some ways the only way you know how to share it with someone. Or maybe it's the first time you've found an expression for a gender identity question or whatever it is for the person. Like I'm getting the sense that it is like acting or or singing, but it's it's, is it more raw than some of those? Yeah. And I think the other element of it, the other element is that we typically don't have a fourth wall in burlesque. So if you're mm. familiar with like performance, usually there's that fourth wall up where like I'm up here doing my scene, I'm doing this, whatever, you know, my theatrical performance or, th- you know, and then the audience is out there. Yes. And very often in burlesque, we just break that down. Like there is nothing <laughs> between you and me. I will stop in the middle of my act and give you a nice little wink if I feel like you need it. You know, I will. Like, <laughs> I mean, just there, there's just so much interaction and it's so much an exchange of information. You know, I've had some mm-hmm. amazing people on my, on my show, my podcast that have, you know, expressed that kind of feeling of the energy is flowing between you, not just yeah. going in one direction. And I think that. And this ties in with your amazing episode from before that was the initial point of contact between the two of us on passion versus purpose, right? Right. And this idea of passion where you're just performing to get it out of you. Not that that's Mm -hmm. a bad thing, but that's kind of, you know, it's just an internal motivation. And that purpose where it's really a two-way and you're focused on like what you're giving to the audience and what they're getting from this. And so that was really resonant for me, as far as how that vulnerability really comes out, vulnerability from the side of the performer and from the audience member as well, because I think you have to, to a certain extent, be willing to just let go and be a little bit vulnerable as an audience member as well. Ooh, Which, yeah, that just came right. Out. I, had, I had never really thought about that before, so I haven't really developed that thought process yet. But I think that there is That's, an element of that as well. So the episode that Velvet's talking about is with Laura Sims and I'll link that up. And then there's a piece there that I love that I want to ask about, too. But I think a lot of people have really resonated and I will say and hat tip to Laura as well. Like definitely that question of, of purpose versus passion, because there's several other people that I've talked to about that very topic because it is so, it's such a deep philosophical thing of, I think there's a lot of noise being made like in the online entrepreneurial space right now about follow your passion, Mm -hmm. find your bliss. And like, I feel like that's the tip of this iceberg, but then 
yeah, like honing in and, and checking in with, okay, but what's the purpose behind it? Because I think a lot of that's going to fizzle out. And that was one of Laura's points. It's like, it's going to fizzle. If it's, if you're just following passion, that's really rough because it's, it's a high energy, like high, I don't know, I guess high energy space to be in all the time. Because that really ties back in, at least for my personal journey to that multi-potentialite thing. Because if yes. I just follow my passion, I got 15 million of those. You know, I'm going to be in <laughs> every week. Like I'm going to lose it really yes. quickly. So that's, and that continues to be my challenge. I'm not going to act like I have it all figured out because I don't. That continues to be my challenge is to find this purpose behind it. So that will give me more sustainability in whatever it is that I am choosing. So. Yes. Oh, that's really nicely stated because I think one of the really big questions is the multi-passionate, multi, and isn't it nice that that word's right there, is that, yeah, is that we do have all these ideas. And if you're right, if we're playing out in that zone of like ex, expanding and following each of those passionate pursuits, yeah, it's going to, you're going to burn out really fast. I hadn't even really thought of it that way, but that, yeah, you kind of have to put the back it in with some purpose and then you can work on them a little bit further and fuller. Yeah. And I loved what about the the audience needing to be vulnerable. I, I know you said that was just kind of an aha moment for you, but it made me think about I don't know if you've seen Kinky Boots, but no, um, I haven't. Oh, my goodness. What is this? I've heard of it. Yeah. So it's a Broadway show and it won Best New Musical. I think that was 2011. But so the story is a young man who is inheriting a shoe factory from his father and they are they are going under because shoes are not selling for whatever reason, probably because they're getting undercut, you know, by cheap made shoes somewhere else. But so that's Charlie. And he meets Lola, who is a performer and is a transgender performer. So he decides that for performers, he wants to create a new kind of shoe and, and asks Lola to help him design it. So that's the story. But there's dancing. I mean, it's awesome. And it really I, like, I don't know. How. <laughs> I don't know. That's crazy. Yeah. And so it really plays the line of of both like the body image piece. What gender do we see ourselves as? But it also blurs the line of that because at the end, Charlie is I don't mean to give this away, but dancing in, you know, high heeled boots. because And he's very much someone who is a heterosexual male, but he's also enjoying himself in front of an audience. You know, it's it's awesome. Right. So, well, and that's a whole I mean, oh, man, we could talk for hours about this, I think, too, because that's I mean, a whole those are two other elements that I think burlesque really brings in is this body positivity and like gender identification, flexibility and playing with the gender yeah. and things like that. And I will say as well, I mean. I was really affected a couple months ago when Prince passed away. Mm, yeah. uh, Prince was a huge, huge, huge influence for me in my life and, you know, coming to terms with myself as a sexual being and an insecure sexual being when I was a teenager, of course. But he was one of those that, you know, just you talking about kinky boots and maybe a heterosexual male. And in this case, a heterosexual black male. What does that mean? Like, what can I not be feminine? Can I do that? And yet we, you know, all of us women, we still found him attractive. Maybe not all of us, mm. but a lot of us, you know? And yeah. so that was something that, over the last few months since he passed, I've been reading a lot of articles um, and particularly things that have been put out by other performers and things like that about breaking down these bounds and how how he was influential on that. Yeah. And I really love that topic of playing around with what is, you know, what is both a stereotype, but how it how can it become acceptable in a society for that to shift and change. But yeah, like he blurred that line all the time and it just became the norm. And like, everyone's like, yeah, it's it's Prince. What else? You know, that's, 
he may be, he may be pansexual. I'm not sure how he identified actually, but I read a couple of very good articles. So I'll actually send them over to you if you want to add them into the show notes, because there's some yeah. amazing, really good reflections on what he did in his time to, you know, like there's one like that comes from the perspective of a stripper, you know, strip club stripper who talks about how he was so influential in that because she was stripping during that time when he was coming out with his really just like raunchy classics, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> that, it went beyond just raunchy sex and it went into, you know, how he treated women and feminism and how he respected women and yet still revered them. I mean, gosh, I could go on for hours about just this topic. It's so interesting. So interesting. Yeah. Well, we might have to do a follow-up then. (laughs) I love this topic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because, well, I mean, I saw him once in San Jose and I remember one of the outfits and I was way up in the nosebleeds, let's be honest, but like one of the outfits was like, I don't know, like crocheted yellow so knit pants, but that, I mean, he was clearly wearing something under them, but not much. And it was like, whoa, that's hot. Like, yeah. and it's, it's sexual, but without it being like specifically male or a female energy. Like yeah. it was like, that's just a beautiful body under there. And dude, you're the vibe you're giving off in those pants. And that's it. It's, it's, it's that weird like, because he would do these things and wear these things and, like, you're like, what is going on right now? And she I have turned on. <laughs> like, what's happening? <laughs> like, but it, that's what was amazing about him is he just exuded that, like, that sexuality, but in a real confident way. And I'm sure he didn't feel like that all the time, but he just had that. And I think that's something, you know, that in burlesque, a lot of us, at least <laughs> we, we strive for, we try to get to that point with, you know, depending on what kind of a performer we are, we may not be as quite as much pushing the bounds and everything, but it's just that, you know, being who you are and being okay with it. It sounds so cliche. I, I feel so trite when I say that, but it's just so true. Mm-hmm. Being who you are and just being okay with it and putting it out there for all and a half billion people on this planet. I can handle a couple hundred hating me. I don't really care. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and isn't that amazing? Because I think it does take it, you know, maybe it's the return of Saturn or whatever, but is there the cycle through of getting to that point where you know there are a few people that are not going to jive with whatever it is? My, I mean, I'll keep it in the first person, but like, there's some people out there. Hi, thank you for listening. You probably don't like me. Like, I know that. <laughs> and I wish you the best and the most happiness and it's okay. Like, and that wasn't me, you know, that wasn't probably me even as a teenager, for sure. Like, I was very worried about who who liked me and who didn't. But kind of getting to that place, and you mentioned Brene Brown. I don't know what, I feel like she's said some stuff about it, but, like, it's definitely Byron Katie. That's other people's business. Like, I don't care. What business are you in? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Don't get me wrong. I still struggle with this. There are, you know, like, oh, yeah. you know, I still have, I've always cared a lot what people thought of me. And so it's, it's still an ongoing struggle for me. But I think it's just been kind of like this perfect storm of things, too, because I hear these same kind of ideas, these same topics from a lot of different places. And even in like the entrepreneurial world, you know, to go like a little bit further, you know, you talk about when you define your target audience, you don't mm-hmm. want everybody to be your target audience. You want to no. go down further. You want to niche down and figure out who it is that you're talking to. And so even yeah. that has kind of reinforced these more you know, personal development things that I've heard about, you know, within caring what people think. So I think it's, it's been interesting over the last few years to see how I get the same messages from different sources that, you know, mm-hmm. kind of reinforce each other. Yes. Yeah. And that's so true because like you kind of, and I think it's interesting, like the, the meta level here, like it reflects into like online business and it reflects into coaching because that's such a 
Like I have to be pretty much okay with who I am and know what might come up for me as I talk to a client because it's right. really like it's an intimate space. Right. And right. it's so interesting that I'm guessing it's that same way in burlesque. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, but yeah, and it's, and it's a journey. It's hard to go through, you know, and that's one thing that, you know, I mean, just to be completely raw and vulnerable here, you know, I mentioned that I haven't been performing over the last few months. And I mean, I use the excuse that it's because I just moved back and I don't really know anybody here. But I know that there's also this element internally where I'm just in a place that's a little wishy. I mean, that's a little rock in the boat at the moment. Like I'm not quite confident with who I am and I don't feel quite right to get on stage. So on one hand, I don't want to, you know, force myself when I'm not in the right place. But on the other hand, I also know that it's, one of those things where getting on stage will help me get back to that place again. Mm. So it's kind of that that double edge. You don't want to push yourself to do something you're not ready for and you don't want to be fake on stage, you know, but Mm. at the same time, burlesque, you know, kind of brings me more into that place where I'm better with who I am. So yeah, yeah, it's like, how do you, you know, so it's a journey. It's a journey for all of us, right? It is. And I'm really glad you spoke into that piece of being in a space where it can be hard even to do the thing that you love. Like, I think we all go through that. And it's one of those. And I love that you're giving yourself the space to be like, okay, I'll get through it. I know I need to get back to it because I love it. But like, there's something so beautiful and respectful for yourself of saying, but I need a little time here. Like, I need to figure this out. Because I know when one of the interesting ones for me was I loved to blog. And when I got pregnant with my son, I don't know. I still don't know exactly what it was. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was an energy thing and I needed to give it back to myself, but I couldn't, I just couldn't blog. I was mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I got nothing. <laughs> and I knew I needed to give back to it, but like, I was like, yep, mm, no. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And well, and I, I appreciate that you say that, you know, it's about, for me, the word should become a dirty word. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I am so against the word should in all shape, way, shape and form, because I think it just creates so much guilt you know, within Mm -hmm. us. And that's something that I've struggled with a lot over the years. So when you are taking these kind of breaks, you know, there's always that little voice kind of inside of you that's like, but you should be doing this. If you really loved it, you would be doing it. But you're right. I mean, it's something that you have to think of as just being kind to yourself instead of just, you're not ignoring that voice. You're not pushing it away necessarily. You're acknowledging it, but you're saying, but here's where I, what I need to do right now. Here's where I need to be right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the respectful thing, like Mm. kind of just listening to the ebb and flow and and respecting that voice of saying, I don't know, maybe even asking that voice of, hey, you're saying should, but, you know, why are you saying should? (laughs) What's coming up here? You know, is this is this uh, to go coachy on it? But like, is this the inner critic or is this or is it just coming from a place of like nagging guilt that I think racks all of us at some level? Yeah, right. Right. That's very interesting. Hmm. A lot of self, you know, introspection and and things like that. it's tough to do, but it's it's important. I mean, you talked about why when kind of the the initial start for your podcast. Is there anything else about it that you want to share? Like, do you want to give us where somebody can find that? And for sure, it's definitely been something. I mean, I was really excited to get started with it because it's a way for me to kind of and see. This sounds a little weird, but like to build authority in the field. Like, I'm mean, you know not in like that you know like I want to be someone huge, but just like it was a way for me to get to know more people while I was learning myself, and other people get to know me, and that really helps in kind of this networking type of a field. So, yeah, it's called Burlesque Strip Down, and it is, theoretically, it's twice weekly. Uh, it's not used with burlesque stars from around the world. So I've had some really amazing ones recently. I talked with this woman, Suki Singapura, who is 
oh, she's so amazing. She's from Singapore, obviously. And she was actually instrumental in legalizing burlesque in the country. She's like the only oh, wow. real burlesque performer that's there. And she has led the fight over the last few years. And just last year, it was finally officially legalized. So just incredible, incredible people to talk to. <laughs> wow. And and it's been great just to get to know their real stories. I mean, these are, like I said, just super supportive, intelligent, amazing women and men that are coming on and I'm just getting to know. And like I said, I'm making these connections and putting it out there for my audience. So it's been really good. And then on Thursdays, I do a little hot tips episode, which has been, I've been kind of defining exactly what I want that to have. Initially, I thought it would be like, you know, rhinestoning tips and how to make your costumes and things like that. But I've kind of changed it into more of what I feel passionate about and that I have more of an quote expertise on, which is this authenticity, this branding, this business aspect of the burlesque because a lot of performers don't really know how to put themselves in a position to succeed as far as from a business standpoint, because in the, at the end of the day, that's kind of what it is. Anyway, that's a quick rundown of what we do, but you can find it, I mean, at burlesquestripdown.com or of course, any podcast players have it, you know, burlesque strip down, you'll be able to find it on iTunes or Stitcher or anything like that. So. Yes. And I'll link it up. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. yeah. Let's jump into the last couple questions that I, I love to ask everybody. If somebody listening has a big dream about how they could make a change in the world, what advice would you give to them about bringing their dream into action? <sighs> that is heavy. <laughs> I think that it all revolves around, again, I feel, I feel fairly cliched, but about being authentic and being true to yourself. Kind of approaching it from the standpoint of not what's going to make that change happen, how you feel the, the best, how you feel the clearest, how you feel the most in your place in relation to that dream. I don't know if that makes sense, but like mm-hmm. about really not focusing again. It's, uh, so not focusing on, you know, bringing in the paycheck or making this your business yeah. or doing that or this or that, but about really doing what feels right to you and how you can contribute. So just listening to your inner self, as well as hearing other people's stories, hearing, you know, that's why I love podcasts so much is because I get the chance to hear from so many people that I wouldn't normally hear from. So just, I guess that would be it. Just kind of like expanding and just listen to stories as much as you possibly can and then figure out what rings true for you to bring about those kind of changes. Yeah, I like that. It's very much kind of looking for the why, but then also being really authentic about what that why means to you. I know. And not feeling like, you know, again, to bring in that dirty word should, you're not feeling like well, my why should <laughs> yeah. be that I want to solve hunger because I want, I'm a, you know, total nice person and I want people to not be hungry. Okay. I mean, that's a great thing, but if it's not resonating for you, you can't force that. It's like mm-hmm. trying to put a puzzle piece in where it doesn't fit, you know, you yes. have to really listen and be okay with whatever you hear. Yes, I love this. Because it, it also starts to dive into the piece of like people feeling like, again, possibly another entire show, but where people get worried that like, hey, what I feel like I need to say or what I'm saying sounds like stuff that everybody else has already said. And I think when that starts to come up, it might be that you are, there may be a should in there somewhere that you need to dive into. Mm-hmm. Like what you're saying, is it truly authentic? Because if it's coming from a completely authentic space, when I write those blog posts, it's like, I don't care if anybody ever said this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm just writing because it's coming from my heart. So Absolutely. I don't know. Yeah. If that's coming up, I would say this authentic, like looking for this piece is so key. I love this one. I yeah. agree. I agree fully. Yeah. And so last, yeah. And most joyfully, of course, what are three ways that you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world or in other people's lives? Well, I think, and this is funny because I think I would have had a different answer a few days ago, but just turn off the lights so nobody can see you, put on some loud music and just start dancing. 
Because I just I feel like it's impossible to not be joyful when you're dancing. When you're dancing, when you don't care what anybody else thinks, and that's what we don't get it. We don't get much of, you know, is we're always dancing. You know, either like maybe we're out at a club or out at you know ballroom dancing lesson, or <laughs> I don't even know wherever you're wherever you dance at. But just try to get physical and just doing that when you don't care what anybody else thinks. So mm-hmm. that would be one. Would be dancing. I think the second for me and that I think is really true for a lot of people is traveling. Even if you can only go so far as, you know, the nearest like state park or a restaurant you've never been to, like a restaurant in your town or just, I mean, just neighbor house that you've never talked to before. I, just <laughs> getting out there and experiencing new things and meeting new people. To me, there's nothing, and maybe this is a personal thing, but there's nothing more important than that. Just getting these stories and getting a bigger perspective on life because it's so easy to just kind of end up in your small little bubble. And so breaking out of that bubble, I guess, would be a better way to say than just traveling, but breaking outside physically and emotionally outside of that bubble. Mm-hmm. So that's two. <laughs> and then I guess number three would probably revolve around what we were talking about, which is just, you know, try maybe eliminating that word should from yourself, from your life. You know, we had a, a saying in my house when I was in Paris, there are no shoulds in this house. Doing little exercises like that to really tap into your inner self. I feel like I'm getting a little too deep here. This is, this is crazy, but to tap <laughs> into your authentic, what is true for you, I guess. Yeah. Oh, yes. I love that. That's <laughs> well, a very good sure. I feel like I should have had maybe uh, formulated that in my head before it came out of my mouth. But that's kind of, you know, that's kind of what it boils down to, isn't it? Just, you know, you can be joyful when you are really in that space, when you're really true to who you are. And the only way to get there is to start examining what you're doing and why you're doing it. I think motivations. Mm, Yes. Very well stated. Thank you, Velvet. (laughs) Such a pleasure. And I hope that there's been some nuggets in there that people can walk away with. So many nuggets. Yes, I think so. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Anytime. Velvet, thank you so much for being on the show. It just, it's so good to talk about vulnerability and sexuality and feminism and all of it. So thank you so much for just being so courageous and, and following your heart and being on the show as well. If you guys are curious and you want to check out any of the links that you heard about in the show, head on over to the website and the show notes are at jumpstartyourjoy.com slash velvet. And you can get all of the links to her site and her show and all of it, because I know you're going to want to check her out as well. And if you're looking for a coach of your own, of course, that's what I do. Um, I am a full-time life coach and podcaster, and I do have openings in my roster. If you are curious, I do a complimentary uh, 45-minute session if you want to explore what joy looks like in your life or how to get more balance or you're feeling burnt out and crispy because of too many commitments and not enough time. I would love to talk to you. So over at jumpstartyourjoy.com, you'll see a little call out on the bottom right hand corner of uh, book your free session. You can click that and you get right to my calendar. It's super easy. Um, And then next week on the show, I have Melissa Tucker and she works with addiction support and is going to share her story. And I can't wait to share it with you. Uh, it's, It's so inspiring. Thanks you guys so much. Until next week, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy. 